welcome to Flip Side of the Coin, the podcast where we take an issue and one week we present a reasonable, viable argument why people would take one side of it, and then the next week we do the same for the other side. Have you ever talked to someone and asked yourself, how could they possibly think that? Here, we aim to help you answer that exact question by explaining the rationale and logic behind common positions to issues that we see today. We do not position ourselves to be experts, nor do we claim that our podcast is an exhaustive resource behind a specific reasoning. Think of us more as a starting point, where you can come and listen to an opposing viewpoint without feeling the need to defend yourself or feel that your position is being minimized. In today's world, as people feel more and more marginalized and separated by ideas, we want to help build a bridge between people who may not always see eye to eye on everything by helping people see the logic and merit in another position. We don't expect you to change your views, but we do hope that by listening, we can help you open a dialogue with friends and neighbors who you may not agree with, or at the very least, we hope that we can help you see them with more empathy and understanding. Let's get into it. If you joined us last week, we began our journey into the magical world of primary elections. Primary elections are essentially the first round in the political process in American elections, where a political party uses the democratic process to select their nominee for a larger political race. The winner of the primary election does not win the office, but they are the party's nominee to run for the specific office, with the party's backing against other nominees from other parties. One of the most prominent primary elections we generally see in the United States is the primary leading to the U.S. presidential election. As the U.S. is mainly a two-party system, made up of the Democrats and the Republicans, they often have several people who want to run for president. Instead of having each of these candidates run in the general election for president, where they will weaken each other's position and possibly cannibalize their votes, thus weakening all of their chances of winning, they have an internal election first to decide who is the strongest candidate from the party, and then that nominee runs with the full backing of the party against the nominee from the other party. This is why at the end of a candidate's run in a primary election, they will often encourage their supporters to vote for the person they were debating against just days before. Primary elections can be organized in several different ways. Last week, we discussed closed primary elections, where only voters who are registered with the party can vote within that party's primary. This week, we are looking at open primary elections. Open primaries are when any registered voter can engage in a party's primary election, whether they are registered as a member of the party or not. This means that I could be registered as a Democrat, but instead of voting in the Democratic primary, I can go and vote in the Republican primary. There may be a candidate I specifically want to win the Republican nomination, or a candidate I specifically do not want to win the nomination. It is also possible that in the Democratic primary, there are very few options, or there is one clear winner in the race. This is most common when there is an incumbent up for re-election. Oftentimes, unless a sitting representative or senator or president is very unpopular with their base, they may be running in an uncontested primary where there is no one running against them. In cases like this, 
an open primary allows voters to engage in the primary election for the nominee who will be running against the incumbent. In any event, in this scenario, I wanted to vote in the primary of a party I was not registered with, and open primaries allow that. Today, we will look at some of the reasons why people support open primaries, as well as some of the risks and assumptions made in supporting open primaries over closed ones. One of the main reasons people support open primaries is to help boost voter engagement. One of the challenges that primary elections face, as we noted in last week's episode, is lower voter turnout. On average, only about 20 to 40% of registered voters take part in primary elections. Open primaries aim to boost that number and get more voters to engage in the primary before the general election. Having an open primary, which 20 states have at least one open primary currently, lowers the barrier of entry for unaffiliated voters to engage in a primary election. In closed primaries, a voter has to register with the party. This may seem like a small thing, but according to a Pew Research poll done in 2019, there is a large block of voters in the U.S. who identify as unaffiliated or independent. In fact, according to the poll, 31% of voters are registered as Democrats, 26 are registered as Republicans, and 38% are registered as Independent which is more than either party. That is more than one-third of the voters who cannot engage in a closed primary election. Opening primaries so anyone can participate, so long as they are a registered voter, allows for a much larger audience and more engagement in the political process. With a wider range of constituents being able to take part in a primary election, the demographics of the base change quite a bit. In a closed primary, the candidates only have to appeal to voters who are registered with the party. As a result, the demographic they are appealing to tend to lean as a whole more towards the edge of the political spectrum than the center. This means that once a candidate has won their party's primary, they have to change their approach in order to attract more centrist voters. In an open primary, the candidates are trying to appeal to an audience in the primary election that looks a lot more similar to the group of voters that they will be trying to appeal to in the general election, because anyone can vote in an open primary. What this means is that candidates are trying to encourage a more moderate base rather than starting with a more niche group. Since open primaries allow any registered voter to participate, the candidates for the nomination have to appeal to a wider range of voter interests and objectives. They are no longer appealing just to the faithful of their party. They are having to appeal to unaffiliated voters and possibly even voters who are registered with the other party. People who support open primaries would say that, as a result, candidates who do well in open primaries may be more moderate than candidates who perform well in closed primaries, thus leading to a general race that has more moderate opponents rather than obliging voters to pick between two more extreme candidates. There's a major assumption being made here by people who support open primaries in assuming that anyone who votes in an open primary is doing so in good faith. 
Open primaries run with a very real risk that a block of voters from an opposing camp may vote strategically as a group and choose a weaker candidate, thus giving the nominee from their party a better chance of winning the election. Along with the risk of voters from other camps undermining the integrity of an open primary, open primaries can also attract frivolous candidates as well. Because an open primary allows anyone to vote in it, a candidate who does not really adhere to the party lines or share its principles or goals may submit their candidacy in a primary and disrupt the electoral process. They may be running to further their own personal goals, or it could be a publicity stunt, but the point is is they are not running with the intention to win, and their candidacy takes away from the political process and clutters the ballot. Now, there is a very real point to be made that such a candidate could still run in a closed primary. Just because a primary is open does not limit who can run for a party's nomination, per se. It really only opens the ability for voters to participate who are not registered with the party. The risk here comes because in a closed primary system, frivolous candidates are less likely to gain any real traction and affect the end result of the primary because the voters who can participate in a closed primary election are limited to those who are registered within the party, and they are more likely to vote for a more serious candidate because they are invested in the party's overall health and influence. They are not interested in a less serious candidate. Therefore, frivolous candidates would theoretically tend to be less likely to gain a nomination in a closed party, and therefore their candidacy is less likely to affect the election as a whole. As we have said before, the democratic process is messy, and there is no system that everyone says is perfect. The end goal of the democratic process is to elect leadership that will help steer the country and form policy that would best benefit the population. People who support open primaries would argue that having an open primary format encourages more voter participation and lowers the barrier of entry for the political process. More people can take an active role in their primaries and therefore the candidates who win their respective nomination are doing so with more support from their constituents. Voting is part of our civic duty and an important responsibility for citizens who want to have a voice in how their communities and country are being run. If you live somewhere that holds open primaries, consider this your call to action to step up and take part in them. You will be exercising your civic duty as a citizen in taking an active role in your community, and you will be helping make your voice heard by your elected officials. As more people take an active role in their primary elections, competition between candidates for nomination would also increase. Candidates running in a race with an open primary are obliged to appeal to a wider range of voters, and therefore the candidate who can appeal to the widest array of voters wins the nomination. In short, increased competition encourages better candidates who would represent more of their people. If a candidate has to address concerns and issues that are the focus of voters who are not only registered within their party, but are also registered with another party or who are unaffiliated, then the candidate can't win their party's nomination by catering to a smaller group of voters. 
they have to appeal to a larger group. And therefore, the candidates who will appeal to a more moderate base are more likely to win. People who support open primaries would argue that because candidates have to appeal to a wider base, then theoretically, the candidates who win their nomination would actually appeal to more voters in general. This means that more voters would feel that they could vote in support of a candidate in the general election who they feel would truly represent them and work on issues that are important to them. As U.S. citizens, it is our right and our obligation to take part in the electoral process. People who support open primaries aim to make that right more accessible and less exclusive to Americans. Their goal is to allow the average voter to have a more direct say, not only in who is elected to a specific seat, but who the candidates are for the seat in the first place. While open primaries do run the risk of allowing less serious candidates and the risk of party rating, the general belief of supporters is that open primaries lead to better, stronger elected officials who appeal to a wider demographic of their constituents more than a niche candidate that might result from a closed primary. In the end, the general idea is that the more people who can take part in the voting process, then the better the representation we all get, and the better our country's government runs. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that in listening to this episode, we've helped you gain a little more understanding about open primary elections. Join us next week when we look at some other primary models and explore why some states prefer those over closed or open primary elections. We'll catch you on the flip side.